Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Hello, Sixpack Nation. Welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, episode 95. Father Michael O'Connor is another courageous priest who thinks with the mind of Christ. Father O'Connor is one of several priests I've known who began his adult life in the military. Father O'Connor was an officer in the Air Force until he answered God's call to become a priest of the living God. Another military man who became a priest who comes immediately to mind is my friend Father Bill Casey, the former Superior General of the Fathers of Mercy. Father Casey used to be in the Army. He eventually rose to be his order's superior general, an EWTN personality, and the most demanded mission preacher of his era. There's something I've noticed about priests who were formerly career men in the military that they have in common. Just before we play for you what Father O'Connor has to say, I'll tell you what that is. I usually promote one of my books here, but from now on until the election, I'm going to run this. I have absolutely no doubt that President Trump will win re-election in a landslide victory on November the 3rd. However, and I pray I'm wrong, on November 4th, we'll see a level of violence that hasn't been seen in America since the Civil War in 1861. Certainly, we need to pray for God's mercy and protection, but we must also prepare. I'm begging you to spend the month of October building up your food reserves. If I'm right about the violence, it may be weeks before you'll be able to shop for any essentials, especially food. Be cautious, stay safe, and pray a lot. There seem to be three commonalities between priests who were career military men. The first thing that they have in common is a shared masculinity. They're real men. Don't you get tired of priests who act like they're scared of their own shadows and jump when they hear a firecracker? These former military priests are just as comfortable with a rifle in the woods as they are with a sacramentary at the altar. The next thing these priests have in common is that they're clear thinkers. They don't just run with common talking points and give five-minute homilies, but rather they think through the messages they want to convey to their parishioners, and you're blessed to be able to receive good meat and potato homilies instead of the typical pablum and milk toast for most priests. And when they wear the title of pastor, you know they haven't turned the running of the parish over to women, and the men in the parish are vibrantly practicing their faith. The third thing all of these veterans-turned-priests have in common is that they're completely unafraid. In the military, they used rifles and other military weapons requiring ammunition. As priests, they use the Bible and catechism as their weapons, and the ammo is called truth. They know that if they're armed with truth-firing weapons, they're undefeatable. Consequently, they always preach the truth, no matter the fallout, because they know they did the right thing, even if telling the truth gets them into trouble. Father Michael O'Connor is one such priest. He's the pastor of Our Lady of the Gulf Catholic Church in Bay St. Louis, Mississippi. 
Before becoming a priest, though, he'd been an officer in the United States Air Force, resigning his commission at the rank of major to become a priest. Father O'Connor is a courageous priest. It's apparent from his homilies that he tries to soften the blow for parishioners who won't like what he's about to say, but he's going to say the truth nonetheless. You'll be happy to know that I'm having Father O'Connor on a near-future episode of The Cantankerous Catholic. In the meantime, though, let's listen to what he tells the parishioners of Our Lady of the Gulf about voting. The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. The Pharisees went off and plotted how they might entrap Jesus in speech. They sent their disciples to him with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are a truthful man and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth and that you are not concerned with anyone's opinion for you do not regard a person's status. Tell us, then, what is your opinion? Is it lawful to pay the census tax to Caesar or not? Knowing their malice, Jesus said, Why are you testing me, you hypocrite? Show me the coin that pays the census tax. Then they handed him a Roman coin. He said to them, Whose image is this and whose inscription? They replied, Caesar's. At that he said to them, Then repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. The Gospel of the Lord. So the punchline, obviously, of the Gospel today is repay or in some translations, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. So, to whom does your soul belong? I would hope to God. I am going to do my best to be clear today. And I don't want to throw stones and I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, and I don't want anybody to argue with me, but I understand that's possible too. I don't want to be complimented, and I don't want anybody to walk out, but I'm going to be clear. Jesus Christ was crucified for telling the truth. You think about that for a moment. Station number one of the Stations of the Cross begins with Jesus on trial. And he's on trial, essentially, for telling the truth. It's a very practical question. Is it lawful to pay taxes to a corrupt government? Because the government of the Roman Empire was corrupt, and it was actually and actively persecuting the Jewish nation. My brothers and sisters, Repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and to God what belongs to God. St. Paul says so succinctly and so beautifully, our citizenship is in heaven. Our citizenship is in heaven. 
we are citizens here of the nation in which to which we belong, the United States of America, or to whatever nation that we might happen to belong. And Peter, in one of his letters, 1 Peter chapter 2, says that we should, quote, be subject or be subordinate to every human institution for the Lord's sake, whether it be to the king or to governors. So we have a responsibility to be good citizens too, don't we? And I think that's what's written into this admonition that our Lord gives us to pay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and pay to God what belongs to God. So we have a coin presented to Jesus with an image of a person on it. And Jesus asked this question, whose image is on that coin? And what was the answer? Caesar's. But whose image is Caesar made in? We're all made in who? In the image and likeness of God, aren't we? That is our dignity that we share in the image and likeness of God. And that is such a beautiful gift that we must recognize in ourselves and in Caesar and in everybody else. Something that floats to the surface in the gospel today is that there are two powers in the world. There is earthly power and there is heavenly power. And we owe our first allegiance to heavenly power. But we do have a certain allegiance to the earthly powers. To understand today's gospel, it will be helpful to understand it a little bit in context. The beginning line is, the Pharisees went off. Went off from where? Remember last Sunday, some of you hopefully remember last Sunday, we were at a wedding feast. Remember that? And Jesus insulted them, and he was very clear in that, you know, description of being thrown outside where there'd be gnashing of teeth if you don't have your wedding garment on. You remember that? So after that encounter with Jesus, the Pharisees went off and plotted, how are we going to entrap him? And so they're thinking of a way how are we going to muddle up Jesus? How are we going to slow him down? How are we going to confuse him? How are we going to trap him? How are we going to turn public opinion against him? That's their plan. You wouldn't know this unless you really studied the scriptures and, and the different groups of characters in the story that we just heard. It says that the Pharisee, the Pharisees sent their disciples to Jesus with the Herodians. So we have two groups there, Pharisees and Herodians. How did the Pharisees and the Herodians get along? They didn't. They didn't like each other. They had very different political understandings. The Herodians by their very name, supported King Herod. King Herod was a puppet of the Roman Empire. So the Herodians were in the hip pocket of the Roman Empire. The Pharisees, on the other hand, were against the Roman Empire completely. But they cooperated with each other in this moment to go try to trap who? To trap Jesus. And how were they gonna try to trap him? They were gonna try to entangle him in a political mess. That was their plan. And I have remarked many times 
every Easter season, every, every uh, Lenten season, that it took the cooperation of the Herodians and the Pharisees and the Roman Empire all together to crucify Jesus. They couldn't work together on anything, but they found the spirit to work together on that. Now, what spirit might that have been that got them to cooperate like that? Yeah, that's the evil spirit. Have we recognized that we're in a battle against evil and that we have a very wily enemy that seeks to trip us up and entrap us? It's a constant reality. So the Herodians and the Pharisees come together to go to Jesus to entrap him. It would be kind of like the Republicans and the Democrats coming together to entrap Jesus. And so they flatter him. Flattery. Anybody here ever been flattered? Try to want something from you so they flatter you. So there's Jesus. Teacher, we know you are a truthful man. And you teach the truth of God in accordance with uh, the truth and that you're not concerned about people's opinion. And so they flatter him with these lies. They care nothing about the truth. They want what they want and they want him condemned. Tell us, what is your opinion? Is it lawful to pay the census tax or not? So Jesus in his style, you know, Jesus is sometimes maybe by some people considered to be a nice guy. Well, he wasn't a nice guy. Jesus went around stepping on people's toes, insulting people, telling the truth in a way that was really bold and sometimes difficult to hear. And as I have stood here in front of this congregation on a number of occasions said, break open the Gospels and read them for yourself as if you've never heard of Jesus. And you will meet in there a bold man who looks people in the eye and says, you hypocrite. This is why they didn't like him. This is why they wanted to entrap him. So he says, why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin. And then you heard the story. Whose image is on it? Whose inscription? Caesar's. Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. Jesus would have none of their political entanglements. They weren't seeking any solutions. They were seeking to trip him up. He saw this he, they saw this political question as a way to trap Jesus into a political debate and get at least some people against him. So they ask, is it lawful to pay the census tax or not? You know, Jesus didn't come to get into politics, did he? He came for the salvation of what? Of souls. He came for the salvation of souls and to establish his own kingdom. A heavenly kingdom and an earthly kingdom. Anybody here ever prayed, thy kingdom come? So Jesus is a king and he stands above the political fray of his day and he invites people into his kingdom. Now, we live in a time of unfortunate and very deep division. As a counselor, as a priest, as a confessor, I hear people's confessions, I hear people's angst, I hear people's broken hearts, and I hear it on both sides of the political divide. 
Trust me. I hear it from every direction. And, and I empathize and I can sympathize that we live in a difficult day. You know, St. Paul says this, woe to me if I don't preach the truth. And I say the same thing, woe to me if I don't teach and preach the truth. We have to find the way to go above the political squabbling of the world and come to our Christian principles. And I'm going to highlight three Christian principles today that are preeminent. These are the preeminent. These are, according to the bishops of the United States, according to the history of the church, according to just even the Constitution to some degree, these are the three moral issues that are not political issues first and foremost, three moral issues that stand above the others, life, marriage, and our freedom of religion. The environment is important. Immigration is important. Taxes are important. Education is important. Poverty is important. But without life, none of those things even exists. Because Joe Biden masquerades as a Catholic, I'm going to use his name. Joe Biden embraces teachings that are absolutely and fundamentally opposed to the priorities of our church to protect life, to protect the sanctity and the holiness of marriage. He is, in some respects, an embarrassment to Catholicism. He is pro-abortion for any reason or for no reason at all. There is an amendment that is written to protect your federal tax dollars, the money that you give to Caesar, that protects that money from paying directly for abortion. It's called the Hyde Amendment. Joe Biden actively wants to repeal that amendment. You know, we have at least some say in what happens to our money that we give to Caesar, don't we? Not much of a say, it seems at times, but we have at least some say in what happens to our money. There was a bill that was proposed that babies that survive the abortion process, there is a living human being in the operating room alive. There was an amendment that said that if a child survives abortion, that it must be given medical care. Joe Biden doesn't support that. He opposes the teachings of the Catholic Church. This isn't political. This is moral. This is religion. This is our faith. What is a marriage anyway? A marriage is a union of one man and one woman. How does a person get married? I had a wedding here yesterday, right here on the altar. And I explained to couples that they're only halfway married when we're done with them at the church. They're halfway married. They have one more step to go before they're completely married. What is the final step in making a marriage? It's called the consummation. Okay, 
How do you consummate a homosexual marriage? How is that even possible? If you attempted it, it would be called the sin of sodomy, which is one of the sins that cries out to God for vengeance, according to the clear teachings of the Catholic Church. I fear that Joe Biden has had bad shepherds, bad teachers. Maybe Cardinal McCarrick was his cardinal or priest. But the reality is he's missed fundamental Catholic teachings along the way, and he's not alone. Each one of us is going to stand before Almighty God and give an accounting of ourselves. Religious liberty. We have today the ability to refrain from the performance of abortions and those kind of things. It's called the Religious Freedom Restoration Act, or healthcare workers who decline to participate in abortion and other things that they find morally objectionable are protected legally. He wants to repeal that. My brothers and sisters, this is the way evil works. It's not just let me be. You must approve of what I do. Last week, I stood up here in front of this church and I was brokenhearted at the state of Catholicism. I'm still brokenhearted at the state of Catholicism. I will die brokenhearted at the state of the church. I'm afraid. And I think that we live in a world that uh, is this real, fundamental, and deep uh, battle. And it's not a battle over the coin that belongs to Caesar. It's a battle over our soul. And Jesus Christ established a church not to fix the political problems of the world, but to do what? To teach the truth and to save souls. My brothers and sisters, your life is precious. Do you agree with me? Your life is precious. And if your life is precious, then what? Every human life is precious. Does our law teach that? It should. The word patriotism comes from pater, and pater means father. We have a responsibility to be patriots. It's part of the fourth commandment. The fourth commandment is honor your father and your mother. When we think about honoring our father and our mother, that includes being good citizens of our nation. Does that make sense to you? That we have authorities that are above us and that we have to be responsible citizens? My brothers, my sisters in Christ, I don't get too excited about the RNC or the DNC or the NRA or the ACLU or about any of those things. They're all passing. They're all temporary. I am a citizen of the kingdom of Almighty God, and I find myself a temporary citizen of the United States of America. I want to be a good citizen of the United States of America, but I am first and foremost a citizen of the kingdom of Almighty God, and I want to abide by the laws of the kingdom of Almighty God, and I want to stand up for them, and if I were going to run for political office, I would want the, the most important things in my life to 
flow out of me into the, the lives and the, and the well-being of others? It's a very practical question that Jesus answers today. Is it lawful to pay taxes to a government that we don't agree with? And the answer to that question is yes, we do. Yes, we can pay our taxes, but we owe a greater loyalty to Almighty God. In the Roman Empire, one way they found to persecute the Christians was this, something very simple. They would say, you can worship your Jesus, you can go to Mass, you can do the sacraments, you can do all of those things, but just come over here and take some of this incense and burn it to this pagan idol. If you do that, we'll leave you alone. Are we allowed to burn incense to pagan idols? We're not. We are not. There's nobody asking us to burn incense to pagan idols, but there are people asking us to approve of same-sex marriage, to approve of abortion, to approve of the stripping away of our religious freedoms. My brothers and sisters, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. And God is first. We are citizens of a kingdom first and foremost. And that is a kingdom of God, that is a kingdom of life, that is a kingdom of freedom. This is our last episode before the election. You're not voting for Trump or Biden. You're not. You're voting for liberty or tyranny. You're voting for your continued right to practice our faith or see it even worse than it was during the pandemic lockdowns. You're voting for life, or you're voting for the continued slaughter of innocent babies as well as eventual euthanasia on a grand scale because some government bureaucrat decides what your quality of life is. You're voting to have the life you have now, or for every suburban and rural community turned into just another unsafe and crime-ridden inner city. You're voting for lower taxes, less government control over your lives, and the ability to pursue happiness. Or you're voting for giving the federal government 75% of your income, stifling regulations to enslave you to what will eventually become Marxism and complete anarchy. The one thing I'm vehemently opposed to from both parties are their solutions to health care. It was the federal government that created the health care crisis in the first place, so we can expect the federal government to fix it? The federal government can't even build a user-friendly website with millions of taxpayer dollars. How the hell can we trust it with our health care? Social Security, Medicare, and Medicaid should be completely abolished by grandfathering those who were already in it and those who were 50 years old and older. Then let's let American entrepreneurs come up with free market solutions that'll create those solutions a million times better than a know-nothing Congress can come up with. But even voting for President Trump and his Republican Party now is only treating a bullet wound with a Band-Aid. We'll have the same thing four years from now. That's why I support the only political solution that our Constitution gives us. In Article 5 of the Constitution, the framers foresaw our nation possibly getting into this situation, so they gave us a way out. It's called the Convention of States, and I have a link in my show notes where you can learn all about it. 
The Convention of States is backed by conservative Ben Shapiro, radio and television conservative Mark Levin, Lieutenant Colonel Alan West, Charlie Kirk, Senator Rand Paul, Governor Ron DeSantis, Governor Greg Abbott, Sean Hannity, Senator Ben Sass, Dr. Ben Carson, Sarah Palin, Dr. James Dobson, Senator Marco Rubio, Senator Tom Coburn, Senator Jim DeMint, Governor Mike Huckabee, Fox contributor and war hero Pete Hedseth, Governor Bobby Jindal, and at least 18 other well-known conservatives. The Article 5 Convention of States will rein in the power of the federal government, impose term limits on Congress and the Supreme Court, give we the people an opportunity to override decisions made by the Supreme Court, such as Roe and Obergfell, and restore our government to its original constitutional pristine condition. So click the link in my show notes to learn all about it, and don't forget to vote for liberty. Remember, comfort and conviction don't live on the same block. The whole reason this apostolate exists is for you, for the sake of your souls. I not only do the Cantankerous Catholic Podcast, but I also offer a free email course through joe6packanswers.com and offer a free webinar series called Sharing the Catholic Faith. I do everything I can for the benefit of souls, reaching out to both practicing Catholics, lapsed Catholics, and non-Catholics. As Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke told me, you receive the faith freely, share it with others freely. So I work alone and I do everything I can afford to do without cost to you. Until the lockdowns, I almost always earned enough revenues to cover expenses, and that's all I've ever cared about. Since the China virus lockdowns, I've had to face some pretty tough financial realities. During the lockdowns, my revenues were decimated, and I've had to pay expenses out of my pocket. Mrs. Sixpack and I live solely on our Social Security, which is very little. Paying monthly expenses out of pocket means doing without personal necessities, but we're committed to reaching souls. So it would be a great help if you'd help us meet our expenses. Therefore, I've decided that every January, April, July, and October, I'm going to ask you to help me help souls. In my show notes in the podcast player and at cantankerouscatholic.com, you'll find a link under the resources heading that reads, Help Keep Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy Apostolate, Alive. Please click on that link to give to the apostolate, and please check the box to make it a recurring gift if you can. The gift page will say Cassock Media LLC. And I thank you in advance for your generosity. Oh, and be assured that you'll be remembered in my daily hour of reparation and rosary. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's top five Catholic news picks for this episode. Catholic news pick number five. Hats off to LifeSite News. Pope Francis shocked the world by praising a nun who promotes Catholic acceptance of cross-dressing, sex change operations, and homosexual relationships. <laughs> Imagine that. No, 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 no! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes.
Catholic News Pick number four. Hats off to Catholic News Agency. The leader of the Diocese of Hong Kong has instructed priests to avoid politics and homilies and admonishing them for offensive and provocative preaching. The warning comes amid a crackdown on free expression in Hong Kong after the implementation of the new security law in July. This is exactly what we can expect in America if you vote Democrat next week. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick number three. Hats off to LifeSite News. Pope Francis has made his most clear statements contradicting Catholic Church teaching by calling for homosexual unions to be legalized. LifeSite immediately reached out to several bishops and cardinals for comment, and thus far Archbishop Vigano has replied with an extensive analysis of the situation. In addition, Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke and U.S. Bishops Joseph Strickland and Thomas Tobin have commented. That just makes me mad! You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic News Pick number two. Hats off to LifeSite News. The worldwide communications media have reported with strong emphasis as a change of course the news that Pope Francis has declared that persons in the homosexual condition as children of God have a right to have a family and that no one should be thrown out or be made unhappy because of it. Moreover, they write that he has declared what we have to create is a civil union. In this way, we will be legally covered. I have defended this. The declarations were made in the documentary Francesco. Ooh, that smells. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic Catholic News News Pick Pick number one. Hats off to Catholic News Agency. A federal court of appeals ruled against the Trump administration's requirement that Title X recipients may not perform or refer for abortions. Nope. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. I am hard, but I am fair. It's time for the Catholic Boot Camp with your drill sergeant, Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy. Learn the Catholic faith and how to defend it like you've never heard it before. This boot camp is tough, so there's no political correctness, no spirit of Vatican II, and no namby-pamby platitudes. Drill Sergeant Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, will prepare you for spiritual war. Now here's Joe Sixpack. A general of the king's army wanted to rule the whole land himself, so he rose up against the king with a large number of soldiers. The battle lasted a long time, but the rebel general was finally routed and fled with his family into another country. The general was very unhappy in exile, trying to live with the shame he'd brought on himself and his family. Dressed like the beggar he'd become, he went back to the palace and entered the hall where the king held audience. He walked to the royal throne holding the king's own two-year-old child in his arms. The rebel general approached the throne, knelt before the king, and said, 
Your Majesty, I'm the general who fought against you and wanted to take your life. I, as well as my wife and children, deserve to be put to death for my crime. But for the sake of this little boy, whom your majesty loves, I beg you to spare my family and me. There was silence in the hall. Everybody wanted to hear what the king would say. The king stood and with a stern look began to speak. Yes, you and your whole family deserve to be put to death because you have been a traitor. But because you asked me to spare your life for the sake of my little son, I can't refuse your request. I love my son and can't refuse him anything. For his sake, then, I not only pardon you and your wife and children, but I shall also bring you all back to my palace to live with me in even greater honor than you had before. This is what happens for us every time we go to Holy Mass. We're like the traitorous general who offends God with our sins, but because we offer the Son to the Father at Mass and beg for mercy for the Son's sake, the Heavenly Father can't refuse our request because it is Jesus himself who pleads our case. Knowing this truth, any person who is grateful to the Father is certain to want to show God the proper signs of respect he demands through his holy church. There are many abuses that have crept into the laity's participation of the Mass, but thanks be to God, they are minor compared to other abuses we've discussed. And some things where the laity are connected to the Mass are merely misconceptions. Still, we owe God all the proprieties as our sign of respect and to help us to remember the great mystical event taking place when we attend Holy Mass. Let's begin by clearing up one misconception. I hear Catholics say all the time that they went to church to celebrate Mass. Frankly, it's not possible for us to celebrate Mass. Only the priest celebrates Holy Mass. We lay people participate in that celebration, but we can't actually do the celebration. That is for the priest alone. Another misconception has to do with when we enter the church. Firstly, bowing is not the proper posture for entering the church. We're to genuflect unless we have a physical limitation that prohibits us from genuflecting. Then it's appropriate to bow. And we are not, contrary to what seems to be popular belief, genuflecting to the altar. The only time our focus is on the altar is when Jesus is on it. When we enter the church and genuflect, we're genuflecting to the king of kings in the tabernacle. It has always amazed me to see people genuflect on Good Friday when Jesus isn't even present. Some say they do it out of habit and know better. That's understandable, but most actually don't know better. I once attended Mass at a cathedral where the bishop had moved the tabernacle off to the side, displacing it from its most proper place, the high altar. When people came in, they still genuflected to the altar instead of the tabernacle. This made it obvious they don't know what they're genuflecting. Why do we genuflect at all? We genuflect to show His Majesty our respect, love, reverence, and to acknowledge Him as our Lord and Creator. After all, it's a little hard to believe in the real presence of Christ in the Holy Eucharist and not pay homage to Him. In the missalettes that are so common in parishes today, as well as in missals and the priest's sacramentary, there are what are called rubrics. 
These rubrics are instructions on what must be done and at the proper moment during Mass. They're complete in the pre-sacramentary because they come from an ecclesiastical document referred to as the germ, general instruction of the Roman Missal. They're reasonably complete for the laity in most missals and missalettes, but downright incomplete in some of them. These rubrics are there for a reason, so we can give God the worship Holy Mother Church insists we give Him. St. Teresa of Lisieux, also known as the Little Flower, said that she'd die for even one rubric on the Mass. This popular saint said this to show us the importance of those rubrics. When readers go to the pulpit to read, I often hear them ad-lib introductions to the readings. That's wrong and shouldn't be done. They should read only what's there. The people often read along with the reader, which is perfectly all right. What's not all right, though, is reading the gospel when the priest or deacon is reading it to the people. Why? Because at this point, we're hearing Jesus proclaim his good news through those who have received holy orders acting for him. Instead of reading along, we should have our attention focused on the priest or deacon. When we recite the creed, there is only one thing required I hardly see anyone do anymore. The Nicene Creed says, For the sake of us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was made flesh by the Holy Spirit from the Virgin Mary, and became man. During this sentence, we're required to bow, except at Christmas when we kneel. The reason we do this is, we're paying homage to the fact of the Incarnation, that is, when God became man. There are two things people frequently do during the Our Father that shouldn't be done. Holding hands or holding their hands out with their palms upward. There is absolutely nothing in the rubrics that authorizes these practices and their abuses that crept into the Mass during the rebellious 70s. Besides, the gesture of palms upward is a priestly gesture, not a lay gesture, symbolizing the prayers of all the people going through the priest to heaven. Finally, there's the sign of peace. You see, Jesus is already on the altar at that point, so our focus is on him, not one another. The proper way to perform the sign of peace is to turn to the person on each side of you, gently grasp the other person's hands, and say, Peace be with you. We're not supposed to turn around to the people behind us, wave to the people across the church, or leave the pew to go to others. When we turn around to someone else or leave the pew, we're turning our back on Jesus. And we are most certainly not to kiss or hug someone because that's most inappropriate in any public venue. The focus of the Mass is Jesus, not other people. Learn things about the Catholic faith you never knew in Joe Sixpack's Secrets of the Catholic Faith. There are many essentials to our holy and ancient faith that few modern Catholics know. Those essentials have become, well, secrets, hence the title Secrets of the Catholic Faith. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, is always exciting, never boring, and completely politically incorrect. 
He never shies away from the so-called untouchable moral issues. With his use of humor and directness, readers and students can never get enough of what he teaches. According to Joe, there isn't one single teaching of the Catholic Church that can't be completely demonstrated to an inquiring mind. Everything can be demonstrated. But the Catholic laity aren't being taught these things. They're being fed pablum when they need and want meat. Secrets of the Catholic Faith is actually exciting, and it will make any Catholic's chest swell with pride. So get your copy of Secrets of the Catholic Faith by Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy, today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes and Noble, and Kobo. The Catholic Church is 2,000 years old. A lot of wisdom is gained over two millennia. Each week we'll share some of that wisdom with a Catholic quote. So here's this week's Catholic quote. This week's Catholic quote is from St. Jerome. He says, Either we must speak as we dress or dress as we speak. Why do we profess one thing and display another? The tongue talks of chastity, but the whole body reveals impurity. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. In the Old South, a slave named Joe worked on a large plantation for a rich owner. Before the master died, he gave his diamond ring to Joe in appreciation for his years of service. After his master's death, there was nothing for Joe to do, so he left the plantation. All he had was the diamond ring, and he didn't want to sell it. About a year later, Joe was resting near a well at a roadside. The well was deep and muddy. By some accident, he dropped the ring into the well. The poor man cried pitifully because he couldn't recover the ring. It so happened that a rich plantation owner and his son were driving by. They pulled up and asked Joe why he was crying. Joe told his whole story. The rich man asked the son whether he'd like to help Joe recover his ring. The young man agreed because he was kind and generous. After changing clothes with the old man so as not to soil his own, he climbed down into the filthy well, reached into the black mud, and recovered the diamond ring. Joe was overjoyed. He didn't know how to thank the young man, who not only gave him the diamond ring, but also his suit of clothes. You're like the old slave. The diamond ring is a picture of your own soul, the most precious thing you have. You received it from God. You put it in danger of being eternally lost by every mortal sin you commit after baptism. Jesus is the rich man's son. Though he's God's own son, having a divine nature, he put on the clothes of our human nature and became man. He went down into the depths of suffering and into the filth of our sinfulness in order to save our souls. He let us have his garment of sanctifying grace. Jesus is God and man. He has a divine and human nature. How you should love him for being so generous. Help your fellow Catholic six-packers. They need to be listening to the Cantankerous Catholic, and you can help them find it better if you leave a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or Google Podcasts.
Leaving a review will make it easier for other Catholics to find the Cantankerous Catholic, because reviews cause the podcasting platforms to show up more often. And I thank you in advance for leaving a review. This has been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.